Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 3. And if not, uh, it'll be on the screen, so no worries. If you didn't come with a Bible today, we've got you covered. We got your back. Mark, chapter 14, verse 3, goes like this. While he, he is Jesus, while he was in Bethany, reclining at a table in the home of Simon the leper. Simon the who? Simon the who? Simon the who? That's important for you to know because at the end of this sermon, there's going to be a test. Not kidding. It's not going to be a test. At the end of this sermon, there's going to be a question, and the answer to that question is going to be that word. So you got to remember that phrase, put it in your pocket, save it for later. And a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste? This is a waste of perfume. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and we could have took the money, and we could have gave it to the poor people, and they rebuked her harshly, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? Anybody grateful for a God who defends us? I don't know if you know that, but you don't got to defend yourself. You got a Jesus who is in heaven talking to every demon, talking to every devil. Leave him alone. If only he could talk to every hater on Instagram. Only... That would be another thing, but anyway. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want. That's funny. He said, you weren't concerned about the poor when you had the perfume. Why are you judging it now that it's somebody else's? But you won't always have me. I love verse 8. She did what she could. Mm, she did what she could. It's like she's, he's talking to the other disciples. He'd be like, you know, Peter, she's not going to change the world the way you change the world. You're a preacher. She's not a preacher. She did what she could. James, stop judging her. You're supposed to be the leader of the church. You're going to be an administrator. You've got administrative gifts. She doesn't have administrative gifts. She's going to do what she could. She's going to change the world with what I've given her. John, stop judging her, John. You're a writer. You wrote the book of Revelations. You wrote the book of John, which I think is a little bit prideful. Um, and b- She's not a writer. She did the best with what she could. I'm so grateful that when I get to heaven, my impact on this earth is not going to be compared to anybody else's. God's just going to ask me, hey, did you do your best? I'm going to say, I did what I gave me two boys. I raised them the best that I gave me a church. I pastored it the best that I gave me a wife. I loved her the best that I that's all that he wants, y'all, to do the best that you can. That's it. I love that about Jesus. He's not comparing us. He's the best that you could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world, what she has done, what this woman has done, will also be told in memory. Somebody say in memory. In memory of her. The title of today's talk is, It's Not What It Looks Like. Come on, tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him it's it's not what it looks like. It's (laughs) not what it looks like. It seemed appropriate to end our series on legacy with a woman who left a beautiful one, the best example of one. Um, If you think about it a little bit, uh, her story um, has been told in over 2,000 different nations, or 2,000, yeah, 2,000, yeah, 
years. For 2,000 years, we've been talking. It's been translated 1,521 different languages in every politicized country in the world. Everywhere this Bible has entered into, her story has been told. She's really left a legacy. But what's surprising to me is that she really didn't do anything of significance when compared to the other people in the Bible. I mean, even if you don't know about the Bible that much, you, you might know about David and Goliath. You might know about Moses and the Red Sea. And so what did she do that is so special, that is so specific, that is so remarkable and noteworthy? She didn't give birth to a nation like Abraham. She didn't uh, rescue a nation like Moses. She didn't save a nation like Esther or mother, a savior like Mary. For all intents and purposes, all this woman did, the reason why we are still talking about her today is because she gave a gift. Which means one of two things. We've got to make sense of this. If Jesus wants us to remember it, it can only be one of two things. Number one, my number one theory, which granted is not the best theory, but it's the only one I can think of. Maybe Jesus is just really like, like a really big fan of that type of cologne. Like, maybe he just likes alabaster, like you like, you know, Isimiyaki, you know, YSL, John Paul, Blue de Chanel, uh, cool water, bringing it back. Old school, come on, cool water. You know, you wore the cool water. Somebody came to church with cool water on today. Pulled it all the way from the 80s, all right. Maybe he just really loves cologne, and I'm like, nah, that can't be it. It's probably that there's just more to the story. It's not what it looks like, see, because there's more to the story. And it's never what it looks like until you hear the story. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when I was younger, and uh, this is a crazy story. You wouldn't believe it, but my mother and father sitting here, and they can attest to it. It's the true story, okay? Um, my, uh, my little sister, we were home one day, and um, I had just gone back from Boy Scouts, and they taught me, like, how to do a really cool knot. And they said this knot was so tight, like, it could save someone's life if you needed to pull them up from somewhere. So I was like... That's cool. So I went to the second floor, and I took my sister up there, and I took this knot, and I grabbed this bed sheet, and I tied this bed sheet around the railing of my second floor. And, uh, and, and I looked at Vicky, and I said, Vicky, I'm pretty sure I can build a swing. I can tie this knot to this rail, then tie this bed sheet around your waist with these knots that I've learned. And if I throw you over the rail, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, you'll swing. Would you like to swing, Vicky? She said, yeah, I would, I would like to swing. I said, boom, let's do it. And so I took the bed sheet, and I did my little square knot, and I did a clover hitch. I can't even remember now. It was a long time ago. And it's not a clover hitch. It's a clover hitch. And I tied it on the rail, and I tied it on Vicky. I was like, Vicky, ready, set, go. And I threw her over the rail. True story. And she swung, y'all. She swung. One. Two. Never made it to three. <laughs> three. The, the knot on the rail let go. And she was launched. She hit the ground so hard. My parents were downstairs on the first floor. And, and, and I could hear their footsteps coming up to see what happened. Well, I didn't want to get in trouble. I just threw my sister over the railing. <laughs> and so I ran to my sister as fast as I could. She's alive, by the way, today. She's fine. She's never been the same quite since, but she's alive. Um, she, she's on the floor. 
and, 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 I'm, and I'm doing my best to pull this sheet off of her waist. And I'm just like, come on, Vicky, we got to get this off you before mom and dad come. And she's trying to get it up. And as I'm, as I'm pulling, as I'm putting it, it gets tighter and tighter until it finally wraps around her neck. And as I'm pulling, and I'm pulling, and the sheet is wrapped around her neck, my parents come around the corner, and all they see is... We're pulling a bed sheet that's wrapped around my sister's neck on the floor after a loud thump. I looked at my mom and all I could say was, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> you need to hear the story. You need to hear the story. Now, granted, the story wasn't all that better. But still, the story gave some context to what was happening. You, you need to hear the story, you know. And, uh, and it's like that. You know, you know, sacrifice never makes sense until you hear the story. Until you hear the story. I had a friend who was built, dude, like 200 and something pounds, just jacked, looking like Hector in the front row, just jacked, just built. And we went into an ice cream shop. He didn't want to go in the ice cream shop, but I went because I wanted ice cream. And we're going in the shop, and I'm eating ice cream. And you know, like, if eating ice cream by yourself isn't fun. You just feel, you just feel unhealthy, right? I can't be the only one eating ice cream, you know? And so I'm like, come on, man, have some ice cream. And he's like, no, man, I can't. That's how he talked. And I was like, why not? He's like, because, you know, I got my health to think about, you know. And I'm like, bro, the only reason people work out is so they can eat ice cream. If anybody can sacrifice it, it's you. You got nothing to worry about. And he goes, no, you don't understand my story. So I was diagnosed with diabetes at 14. I was morbidly obese. He was 22 at the moment. Doctor said I wouldn't make it to, the tw to my 20s if I didn't cut sugar from my diet immediately and take on an aggressive diet and exercise plan. At which point I felt like the devil <laughs> trying to tempt this man. <laughs> but I could not get, please see where I'm going with this. I could not get my mind around his sacrifice until I heard his story. And then when I heard his story, I go, oh, now it makes sense why you would give up something so amazing like ice cream. <laughs> The disciples are in a similar situation. They're looking at this woman pour out her alabaster, and they're thinking, what a waste. And what they're calling wasteful, Jesus calls beautiful because Jesus knows something the disciples don't know. Jesus knows her story. See, right now, the disciples only know the story behind how much the nard cost to make. See, nard was very rare. Uh, first off, it was exported from India. So you got the cost of export-import. Secondly, it was found in the mountains of the Himalayas. And so now you got the labor cost that it takes to harvest it all wrapped into the cost of nard. And in addition to that, you had to have an expert perfumer who knew how to extract the oil from the nard before the leaves bloomed. It was a small window from which you can, which made the value of nard come up to a year's wages. See, the disciples understood how much it cost to make the nard. What they did not understand was how much it cost the woman to buy it they couldn't see her cost so Luke comes into the picture and gives us the other half by the way this story is told in every gospel so when Jesus said this story will be told to the ends of the earth he meant it in every gospel we have a version of this story Luke chapter uh, 7 it's on the screen also yeah that's why we have this for me Luke chapter 7 verse 37 just then a woman of the village uh oh now we get a detail we didn't get before the town harlots the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume. Now we find out what it cost this woman to buy that alabaster. Years and years of selling herself as an object on the street. Years of being abused. Years of being discarded. I'm going to tell you, when she looked at that alabaster, she, she didn't feel proud. 
They've ever saved up money for something and then bought it? The pride you have when you get to see that thing that you bought, like got some friends that just bought a house, super proud, right? Because you worked hard to get that house or a car that you bought, you saved up to buy that. She could have looked at that alabaster jar and been proud of the work, but do you think she felt proud? I don't think so. I think she looked at that alabaster jar and what she felt was not pride. I think she felt pain. Pain, pain. See, it looks like she's pouring out oil, but I don't think she's pouring out oil. I think she's pouring out pain. I think that in that alabaster box is not a sea of alabaster oil. I think in that box is a sea of memories of every man she had to sleep with to buy that. Of every person who, who, who talked bad about her, who spit at her on the street because of her profession. I think it was a sea full of memories of, of, of pain. And she was pouring it out on Jesus' feet. And the best part is Jesus took it. Jesus took it. He took it. You know, that reminds me, um, we were doing this game. I don't know if you ever played this game. We did this game with the staff in my house called the... Um, this past Sunday, Dirty Santa. Anybody ever played Dirty Santa? It's called White Elephant. Oh, I guess Dirty Santa's not a popular. Is <laughs> this game where there's a bunch of presents under a tree, and then you pick one, and then you open it, and if it's cool, the person who goes next can either take your present, and then you have to go open another one. So we were just a bunch of Christians in a room just stealing each other's presents. And I went, and I actually got it. It was a really cool, like, a dart gun thing. I was like, oh, Justice is going to love it. But then Joey, our executive pastor, he stole it from me. <laughs> I actually, I'm sorry. I meant Joey, our former executive pastor. He stole it from me. <laughs> he no longer works here. Um, <laughs> just kidding. He's in the back. So I had to go back. And when I went back there, I didn't get a dart gun. I didn't get a domino set. There was a domino set. I didn't get that. I got People are whispering to each other, what is that? Tell me when you find out. I don't know, but it's mine. It's mine now. Couldn't get rid of this thing for the life of me. I was like, I don't want this. I put it down. They said, game don't work like that. Can't put it down. So then when it was everybody else's turn, I started trying to sell it. I'm like, you really want this? They're like, what does it do? I'm like, it's a Halloween costume. I don't know. You're a superhero. I don't, can't even think of a name right now. Just mask man. I don't know. Nobody wanted it. And I thought, you know what? It's a lot like pain. Sometimes things happen in life. We, we get into situations and we find ourselves with pain. And the thing about pain is once we get it, it's ours. You can try to put it down, but the game don't work like that. You can't put down pain. You ever hear someone say, let it go? Elsa's a liar. <laughs> you can't let it go. Pain don't work like that. And so when we realize that we can't let go of pain, we try and trade it. We try and go, people, will you take my pain? Will you take my pain? And that's just a, a big alert for anybody who's single in the house today, who's working on their portfolio and, and working on their finances, trying to make themselves marriable, working on that six-pack, working on getting hot. But let me tell you, there's nothing hot about being hurt. And if you want to work on something while you're single, work on your pain. Because if not, you're going to be trying to trade your pain for their peace, and there isn't a person alive who's going to want your drama My name is Daisy. I'm the pastor, and I love you. I'm just saying nobody's going to want to trade their peace for your pain. Well, actually, there's one guy. There's, there's one guy who knew the rules of the game, who knew that the only way you can get rid of your pain was if he took it. Was that Isaiah 53? 53? Surely he... Took the thing that nobody wanted. 
Surely he took our pain and bore our sins, yet we considered him punished. Do you hear what Isaiah is saying? Isaiah is saying one day the Savior of the world is going to die on a cross. And when he dies on the cross, everybody's going to walk past him and think, oh my goodness, look how much pain he's in. Look at all the sin that he's committed. Look at all the pain, all the thorns. Or look at all the pain that that thorn of, a crown of thorns on his head. Look at all the pain with the punches and the bruises. But if Jesus could talk to you, if you could ask him, he would have hung on that tree and he would have told you, oh, this is not what it looks like. This isn't my pain. This is Christian's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Eddie's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Christina's pain. This isn't my pain. This is JJ's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Liz's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Bobby's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Robert's pain. This isn't my pain. This is Jeff's pain. This isn't my pain. This is John's pain. This is Jack's pain. This is Joey's pain. It's their punishment I took. It's their punishment. It's their beating. It's their bros. I took it. I took it. I gave them my peace. And that took them, their pain. Now you can, listen, listen, somebody they don't understand all this church language lingo, maybe you're lost. Let me put it in another way that maybe you can understand. Now you can stop beating yourself up. Do you know why we feel guilty and deal with regret? Because we know that somebody should be punished for the choices that we made. Well, I got good news, that part of you. Somebody already did pay the price for the thing that you paid for. Somebody already did get beat up for your sin and transgression. The price has already been paid. You can let go of that memory now. You can let go of that regret now. You can let go of that poor choice now. You can let it go and pour it out. She wasn't pouring out oil. She was pouring out pain. She wasn't making a sacrifice. She was pouring out shame. Pouring it out at his feet. Ah, makes sense now. She wasn't just pouring out pain. She was pouring out a proclamation. A proclamation she was pouring out. It says in the Bible, Luke, Mark, Mark 14, 9. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Somebody say proclaimed. This lady was not making a sacrifice. She was making a statement. You see, it doesn't make sense if you don't know the story. But she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She worked on the streets. You see, um, if she was an entrepreneur, like a solo in the business by herself, she actually probably could claim that alabaster jar on her 1099. She could. Because it's, it's, it's not just an essential oil. It's essential to her job. You see, you know how when you go to the movies and they blow popcorn through the vents? You know they do that, right? That's why you always want popcorn when you go to the movies. Because you smell it. And it doesn't matter that it has 30 grams of trans fat in it. Smells good and you, and you want it. They understood that senses can entice you. Listen, perfume was the way of this lady letting know. This is how it worked back in the day. was her way of letting the people know and the men in the city specifically, I don't know how to say it, the hours of operation. See, men would be walking in, this, in, the, in the town square and she would be there and she would put some of the alabaster on. It was a part of her job. She would put that and they would walk and they would go, mm, mm. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's in the Bible. I didn't make this stuff up. Listen, that's why it's so important. That's why this, this, this whole verse just blows up in your mind. Because if she'd have poured a little bit of alabaster out, it would have meant one thing. But when she broke the box, what she was saying was, I'm done with that life. I don't need it anymore. I don't need this to do my job because I'm changing my job. I'm changing my profession. My life, my life is going in a different direction. I don't need it. Listen, it's not a sacrifice. She didn't need it. I was at PDQ the other day. A pastor invited me out. And I got to admit, I felt a little weird because I'm Christian chicken all the way. You know what I'm talking about. 
Chick-fil-A, y'all. That's where Jesus eats chicken at. Chick-fil-A. And I felt like I was cheating on Chick-fil-A. He invited me to PDQ. Well, when I went there, listen, I still got him. He gave me, he goes, don't worry about it, man. Come, you got to try out this new chicken place. He gave me 10 of these. 10 buy one, get one free combo cards. 10. I was like, oh, my goodness, what a sacrifice. <laughs> 10. I still got them. I've used nine. I thought, this is awesome. So I get the card, and I go to the person behind the counter, and I go, buy one, get one free. I'd like to, to buy one. And when I do, the, the pastor comes up to me. He goes, no, 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 put that away, put that away. And he calls over the head chef. The head chef comes from the back. He goes, like a mafia. He goes, these guys are with me. And then the guy behind the counter goes, oh, okay. Zero pay. At first, I was like, awesome. But then I was like, that wasn't a sacrifice. You didn't need it. You didn't need the gift because you knew the giver. You didn't need to buy one, get one free because you knew somebody who could get it to you for free. I don't need it because I found something more Valuable, Are you catching me? When the woman broke her jar at the feet of Jesus Christ, what she was saying to Jesus, what she was proclaiming was, I don't need this anymore because what used to give me value doesn't give me. I found one more valuable. I found one more beautiful. I found one more special. Somebody who can heal me. Somebody who I don't need men in my life anymore. I found a man who puts all the other men to shame, who loves me and doesn't ask anything in return. It's not a sacrifice. I don't need it. There are things in your life you've been chasing your whole life. Your whole, and every time you feel like you're an inch away from that happiness, happiness eludes you. Every time you're an inch away from that promotion, the promotion eludes you. Let me give you good news. When you find Jesus, when you really find Jesus, you don't need anything else. You found the one who is more valuable than all of it. Not just pouring out her proclamation, she was pouring out her passion. Her passion, her passion, her passion. Luke chapter 7, verse 38 through 50. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped him with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited her saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Let's pause, let's pause, let's pause. I want to know who this Pharisee is. Because who is this man who would, who would talk bad about a woman who is obviously in love with Jesus, who obviously didn't do anything wrong right here? Who is this judge? Who has set them off to judge a, a sinner? to just someone in the world. Who is this person? I, I want to know. Luke, do you give us the name Luke? Who, who is this person? Verse 40, who is it? Hold up. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Simon, wait a minute. Simon, you mean Simon the, so the guy who Jesus healed from leprosy, is giving someone else a hard time because Jesus wants to show her mercy? And I feel Jesus is like, did you forget that like, oh, I see you acting all big in, in Luke. You're acting big in Luke because in Luke, you're Simon the Pharisee. But I remember you in Mark. I remember when you didn't have your life all together. I, I remember when you had issues, when you were sleeping around and see, see I got the whole story. You, you, you're showing the world Luke, but I know Mark. I know you were Simon the leper. So let me remind you, and he does it, he does it in the story. He goes, Simon, let me remind you because you've been healed for a little bit and now you think you're all that. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender, Simon. Two people. One, two. 
One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Oof. Which of them will love him more? Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You know what I think the problem is? Simon didn't have leprosy for long. See, he obviously had been cured. Because if he wasn't, then they wouldn't be at his house. Because you can't be at the house of somebody who's unclean because they make you unclean. He couldn't have been sick for too long because he's not dead. Leprosy can take your life. If he was sick for so long, he probably would have lost his pharmaceutical status too. So he's looking at Simon and saying, Simon, you're giving her a hard time because you only had leprosy for a small window of time. And maybe I healed you too quickly, Simon. Maybe I should have let you suffer just a little bit more so you can understand the true weight of grace. But this woman, she's been suffering for years. Makes no, makes sense. Makes sense then and now. Oh, and now what it looks like. It makes sense now. Why she's so grateful. On Friday, I got together with my boys. We do the Advent calendar, and we read the story of the Bible every night. And Friday, we were on the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. So I got to teach my kids what a sacrifice is. And, uh, and it was a challenge, you can imagine, for young minds to wrap around a father giving up their son. I'm like, I would never do that to you. Just so you know that. All right. This, if you don't know the story, Abraham, Abraham gives up his one and only son, Isaac, because God asked him to, but it was really just a test, and he doesn't go through with it. And so the moral of the story is that sacrifice means love. So I take Zayn and Justice, and I go, guys, I, wanna, I want you to tell you a secret, but don't tell anybody. They were really bad at secrets, so they almost didn't want to hear it. But I was like, no, you didn't know this. And then I, I told them how much Liz and I are giving to the legacy offering this year. And, you know, it's a big number, biggest we've ever given to the church outside of selling our home and putting those proceeds to the church when we first launched, biggest check we've ever written. And so I told it to Zane. And Zane's got this thing now. He goes, oh, dang. Side note, I almost made it through an entire story without telling a story about my kids, the whole sermon, without telling a story about my kids. I'm proud of myself. Um, but I couldn't get it all the way through. <laughs> he said, oh, dang. And then, and then he looked at me. He goes, see, that's now you know it's real, too. I'm not making it up. He said, Dad. He goes, I would never give that much to God. <laughs> I would never give that much. And he goes, because I don't even have that much. And then Liz come in. Liz said, yeah, but you do have $100 you got for your birthday. And then he's like. <laughs> She's like, you can give that if you want. Because you know God's never asking you to give what you can't. Just give what you could. So, so he, he goes, he, he, he goes, I will never give God my birthday money. Pray for Zane, y'all. Pray for Zane. Pray for Zane. Pray for my son. But you know what I am at? It makes sense. When you've been on this earth for five years, you don't got much to be grateful for. But when, when you've been alive for 30 years, 40, 50, and there were moments in your story when you didn't think you were going to make it. When you've been through divorce and cancer and firings, when you've been laid off 10 times, 
when you didn't have a father growing up, but somehow you find yourself in a church building, sitting next to people you love. It makes sense if you've just entered into life. I wouldn't expect somebody who's never been through nothing to want to give God anything. But if you've been freed, if you've been delivered, if you've been healed, if you've been rescued, if you've been pulled out of the darkness, if you've been brought into the light, if you've been loved, if you've been healed, if you've got hope in your heart, there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason to give. There's a reason to be grateful. There's a reason to jump. There's a reason to spin. There's a reason to sing. I'm not speaking to four-year-olds who've lived perfect lives. I'm speaking to people who've been in mental institutions, who survived suicide. People who have wrestled with doubt and are still here. If you're here, you know your life. You know your story. That's why we give. Because of what he's given us. Stand on your feet, if you would, everybody in this room. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Who are you going to be today? Listen to me. Are you going to be the woman or are you going to be Simon? I want to speak to the woman today. I want to speak to the person who walked into church. Listen to me. You walked into church with pain in your heart, with memories in your mind. You got a box of alabaster. And it's every woman who's, who's hurt you, every man who's put you aside, every parent who couldn't have been there, every, every disease the doctor says you have. You got a box full of pain. You came to church today not knowing somebody's willing to take it. Hear me. You don't got to carry it anymore. Jesus is here to take it from you. You got pain? You got hurt? You ever made a decision to give it over to Jesus? I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. Nobody peeking. Let's give those people, let's give everybody a moment of privacy. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? If you're here today, nobody looking around. God speaking to you. God speaking to you. You, God speaking to you. If you're here today, you got pain. You want to pour it out at the feet of the master. You want to receive Christ into your heart. Start a fresh new life. That's you when I say three. I want you to raise your right hand. Nobody's peeking. It's between you and the Lord. One, come on, now is your chance. Pour it out at the feet of the master. Two, nobody's looking. It's between you and the Lord. One, two, three, right now. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Hey, I see your hand. 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 I see it. I see it. I see it. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Put your hand down. Thank you so much. Church, let's not leave those people who made that decision hanging. Let's speak into the microphone. Let's say it loud and proud. It's a simple prayer. Jesus, Jesus, I don't want this box anymore. All the pain, all the memories, all the hurt. You said you take it. Here it is. I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.